everybody, and welcome to Two-Headed Game Master. I'm Cosmo, the first head. And I'm Dane, the magic hat head. <laughs> Two-Headed Game Master is a podcast about writing, designing, running, and playing role-playing games where we discuss our favorite hobby, share our thoughts with you, and play some games sometimes. Dane, what are we discussing tonight? Well, today? you know, it's a... It's On this a good, episode. <laughs> you know, it's a good um, head joke when it makes Cosmo laugh. Anyways, uh, that's not what we're talking about today. We're not talking about magic head. head. <laughs> I should have just been magic head, not magic hat head. Idiots. That's what it made me think yeah. of, which is why I laughed because yeah. it was because Magic Head is from Psych. Because Psych. All right. But uh, anyways, yeah. uh, we've said Magic like three or six times, so that's what we're talking about today. Baby. Melee combat. Shit, I got I'm just all twisted <laughs> up. That's a joke. That's a joke. Cause but it really happened because <laughs> we're talking about Magic. Hey. Yes. Uh, so Magic or other sorts of special powers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, magic, or other sorts of special powers, is a staple of role-playing games, tabletop RPGs, but also, you know, other games. We're talking about tabletop RPGs, though. Progression in these magic systems usually involves gaining new spells, slots to use them, whatever, however you do that. More spells, better spells. Mm -hmm. What we want to talk about tonight, though, is um, narratively... How do characters get better at magic narratively? narratively. How do you reinforce the concept of magical Atmosphere. progression? Okay. Yeah. yeah. With well, like, I thought you were going to say something else. But yeah, with, yeah. The, with the like <laughs> with the atmosphere and with the um you know, you the actual the things that happen in your story. Mm-hmm. What are the things that happen in your story that explain how characters are actually right. you know, learning new spells and shit? Cuz it's really easy. Oh, I got better at sword because I swung my arm so much that I yeah. got bigger muscles. You keep doing sword, eventually you're going to be better than people who don't do sword as much. Um, but spells are different. Mm-hmm. And I think going forward, we don't need to keep... Um, I, we don't need to keep qualifying that, like, we also mean psychic powers or, you yes. know, whatever. Or, like, cybernetic hacking, mm-hmm. whatever. Or whatever secret is, mind yeah, We're just going to say, like, magic. We're going to say magic and spells mm-hmm. and know that for the course of this episode, that is a shorthand for all those other things. Mm-hmm. We're talking, we're including, like, you know, psyker stuff in Warhammer or, uh, yeah, friggin'. Well, there's secret mind powers mm-hmm. in like a kids on bikes adventure, like Eleven mm-hmm. from Stranger Things, or the hacking abilities in a cyberpunk RPG. Right. We're talking magic. We're talking spells. That includes everything that's not actually magic. Whatever. Yes. How do you do the progression when characters get better at it? How do you do that narratively in your game, not just mechanically? So. First, we got to answer the big question of, like, Mm -hmm. why care? Yeah. And if you've listened to our show before, you might have heard us start with this bullet point a lot. Because, I mean, if you don't care, then if we can't convince you at the end of the the little bullet point, then I guess maybe just stop listening to the episode. Still give us money, but, like, We're doing a bad job. You don't have to listen anymore. But, uh, anyways. (laughs) Why bother talking about this? Um, then we're going to talk about examples that already exist mm-hmm. and use those to 
come up with some new ones. Yeah. We're going to explore some uh, ideas and suggestions for how to narrate the... Magic character getting yeah, better. magical progression. So... So why? Why bother? Why bother talking about this? Well, um... So usually you get stronger <laughs> magic, you just pick them from like a spell list yeah. or like whatever and get on with the dungeon. Right. So you're uh, you're playing D&D. You go, you know, you hit level five, say. That's usually where most classes get... The good stuff. Yeah, get start to get the really good stuff and the class defining stuff that you haven't picked that was like part of mm-hmm. your basic setup. Level five is usually where the fun stuff really starts to hit. And say you're a magic using class of some sort and you've got your subclass or your, you know, your specialty or whatever, your patron, uh, you'll have a list of spells that you can choose from. And when you level up, you will pick them. And then a lot of times this has been, so this has been my experience playing, running games, and also listening to some other live play stuff. Sometimes in the live play stuff, they do a, the better job narrating like how this happens. But a lot of times, people just pick the new stuff off a list. They're like, I leveled up. I got these new class abilities. I picked these new spells for my lists. And my spell slots increased such and such a way. And now we're back into gameplay. Mm. And so why bother talking about this? Well, that's how it seems to work a lot. And honestly, I just I thought that was kind of lame. Is why this came up. It could be better. Yeah. It could be cooler. It shouldn't just be like an outside of gameplay thing where you choose new spells off a list and then you get back to playing. You can explore how you learned them. Mm -hmm. And this could be as uh, intricate as like the game master, you know, sets up a thing for it. Mm -hmm. But also the player can just impose some stuff themselves and be like I'm going to add to my backstory I'm going to add that this happened Mm -hmm. clear it with a game master be like that's why I know this new spell that's why like in the you know weeks between sessions Mm -hmm. my character was actually doing this and that's why yeah that that explains the you know what is sort of an arbitrary thing whether it's milestone or XP based when you hit that level up Mm -hmm. that moment of Level four to level five, it's kind of arbitrary. And suddenly you just, like, know more stuff. Right. Um, yeah. So it could enrich yeah. the, the RPG experience, right? That's Which like, is another thing you've probably reason. heard from us a lot. Yeah. We talk about that a lot. Why do any of this shit? Well, you want to enrich your role-playing experience. You want to make it more fun for everybody. Mm, you want to make it cooler somehow. I mean, that's the main thing we're trying to do, and it can be a very small thing, but, you know, think about how fun it is I mean personally I think it's extremely fun to come up with little things like that for Mm -hmm. my characters like why do they have the weapon that they have it's just a dirty old sword but here's why and then like because it came from here and it does this and yeah you know I like it so yeah might be small still worth doing and a quick caveat to that I guess before we move on like all of the stuff that we talk about, is like you don't have to do this. Yeah. If you are really like, if you're just into the nitty gritty of the mechanics, if you enjoy like the math or the you know the Nerd. tactical um, 
you know, like grid-based combat, whatever, and you're not so interested in like how your character came to be who they are, or even really who your character is in the first place. You're just interested in their abilities mm-hmm. and how they, you know, how they succeed in a dungeon environment. Then fine, that's a perfectly acceptable way to enjoy this hobby, and especially if that's working for the rest of your table, great. You don't have to change a fucking thing, but if you want. If you've ever wondered, if, if you like, find your game lacking yeah. immersion, you want to add a little immersion, or you want to dig a little deeper into your own character, or you're just like curious, like okay, I'm a you know I'm a sorcerer, and I went from level whatever to or whatever. You read a cool thing in a book, and yeah. you're like, this is a great way. This is an interesting thing that I want to include in my game. Mm-hmm. This is a this is an opportunity to do that. It has uh, this is not a mechanical thing we're not talking about the different spells that you get we're not talking about how magic works and whatever game system you're using we're just talking about narrative for example clerics and warlocks let's get into this yeah this is really fucking fun so we're not gonna tell we're not gonna read off the list of uh, cleric spells in D&D no but the concept so we, we use D&D as, as an example. You hit a certain level, you get to pick new spells off mm-hmm. of a list, right? Um, clerics and warlocks are really fucking cool classes, we think. They have narrated yeah. have narration built in mm-hmm. to their level up. There is, there's a story blended with their game mechanics about how they get stuff. Clerics serve a god. They have, like, a religious affiliation. If it's this fantasy world where gods are real, their power comes from them. And so the way that they get new spells is kind of built in. They meditate. They pray, whatever. They receive a vision. The um, the things that they can do, the things that your class can do in combat or outside of combat, whatever, the things that you spend your mm. your points on, the spells that you can cast, those are favors, divine favors from a god. And that narrative being built into the class is fucking cool. The same way with warlocks, where they have a deal with like an infernal or an eldritch being. Mm. They're given magical abilities in exchange for service. And which is something that I always found weird that there's clerics and warlocks because one is good and one is evil. Mm-hmm. They're basically the same thing. They are, but there's distinction, I guess, between well, it just like, matters what yeah. their pat- who their patron who their patron is, is essentially. Yeah, because like the divine patrons, the clerics are organized by domains. Yeah, so that you can put those clerics into various settings. Yeah. You can have a war cleric. In a lot of different fantasy yeah. settings, you can have a domain of life cleric in a lot of different fantasy mm-hmm. settings because there's probably a god associated well, with those things. And like, I get, I understand that like that is built on hundreds of years of Western culture. Yeah, you know, like they, the man they of the speak, cloth is good, mm-hmm. the witch in the woods is bad. Right. They speak the um, the genre language of yeah. fantasy really mm-hmm. well, but that I think is part of the reason why they are so cool and why they're a lot cooler than the sorcerer, for example, who just like, I'm a magic user! (laughs) Naturally has magical ability and doesn't have anything interesting in the player handbook about how they gain new powers. They just Mm -hmm. like, 
oh, that's new. I couldn't do this before. Yeah. And it came from nowhere. They just like, they go to sleep one day and the game master is like, next session, we're starting at level whatever. Mm. And so when they wake up yeah. the next day, they've got more yeah. stuff. And not to say that you can't have that. Like, that's what the whole episode is talking about. Right. We're like, talking about use, add stuff. Yeah, you can use the bones of like what it says about sorcerers in the player handbook. Like, uh, one of them is like dragon blood, mm-hmm. right? So like a you have a vision, you have a vision of like your dra- draconic ancestor, mm-hmm. and that grants you a new fire spell or something, right? Like boom, right yeah. there. And that's, uh, you know, narratively, that's all that is. That's all it is that like you know sets the cleric and the warlock apart. Mm. They have narrative built into it. Oftentimes, you know, you play a warlock because you think, fuck yeah. You know, there's going to be some cool narrative stuff. My patron is going to come into this somehow. And the game master will be like, I didn't really plan anything for this. Right. Or you made up a patron that like, yeah. wasn't part of my game. The, like, the good like live play entertainment ones, like the game master will have a patron character. Yeah. And like their talk the to the patron will actually right? be an NPC. You know? Yeah. But, uh, you know, you might not be lucky enough to have that worked into your game. Yeah. As just, you know, casual Or you haven't thought about doing that yet. Now you will. I don't know. You know. So... But point is, clerics and warlocks, terrific examples of this this mechanical thing. You level up, so you get better magic, more magic, new magic, whatever. Clerics and warlocks are a great example of how narrative can be interwoven with the mechanical aspects of magical progression. And... We think that's fucking cool because it enriches the experience. It deepens the immersion of playing as this character and it deepens the immersion for the rest of your party that, you know, like you're interacting with the game world in a deeper way. We like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, another example, not to only talk about d d because that's lame. Mm-hmm. Uh, fresh off the Forbidden Lands. Yep. Talked about that pretty recently. Right. Um, doing the bonus episodes. Forbidden Lands, we didn't get to this. Because we didn't play long enough. And as Mm -hmm. we talked about in our review, Forbidden Lands plays pretty slow. Uh, but Forbidden Lands has a narrative... It, it, it's it, like it's narrative and mechanic. It's yeah. it's like well, a double sided. I would think. You know. I would think that like D and D is over here where leveling up a magic user can only add. You know, it's easy just to do the mechanics. Right. Whereas Forbidden Lands is over here where it's mostly narrative and yeah. a pain in the ass. A pain in the ass to mechanically upgrade mm-hmm. your character because narratively in Forbidden Lands. You have to find someone who can, like, teach you. You have to find a spellcaster who's better than you and willing to instruct. You can't just, like, learn the next right. level of spells without... level up and then overnight s- Source material. One. You need to have, like, books and scrolls to study mm. or a mentor to show you, teach you, to gift you with that information. Mm. Uh... With successful rolls and the spending of XP. And that puts it on the Game Master where, like, ain't nobody upgrading their magic without the story reinforcing Lending it. itself to that, right? Yeah. Like, it's something that if 
in the Forbidden Lands, if your game master isn't doing, you got to tell them as a player and be like, listen, I would like to find an instructor. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that's going to happen. And then the game master should be like, okay, well, let me think about how to add that into the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. So, I mean, those are, I think that's a good, um, some goalposts, some, uh, some spectrum sides, right? You have D&D where it's, you can just do mechanics. It's really easy. It's yeah. all there in the book to do mechanics. And you could be you could be one of these cool classes mm. that we think. You know, like who fucking knows how a bard gets new spells when they level up? Like I don't know. Banging somebody? Yeah. <laughs> but like how how does that like how does their narrative reinforce the mechanics of bards being better spellcasters? I don't know. But clerics and warlocks, very cool mm-hmm. because their progression mechanically is directly tied to their uh, to the narrative of their progression. They get stronger in a story way than it's reflected mechanically. That's fucking great. Maybe that's... Uh, like, you, so don't, the, you don't have to engage with that. You could play yeah, one of those yeah, cool yeah. classes and just The other side spells. is the Forbidden Lands where you absolutely have to yeah, engage. Where you narrative. don't have a choice. You have to do narrative shit or you're not getting stronger. Right. So, I think there's some middle ground to be discussed, Mm -hmm. which is uh, the next part of this episode is our ideas. And we're going to talk through uh, what we think would work. So, I mean, first off, more patrons, right? Not only clerics and warlocks, bards can have patrons. Mm -hmm. Uh, Podcasts can also have patrons. (laughs) Uh, Hint, hint. Um, but so yeah, patrons don't necessarily have to be the the, the warlock God. patron, right? Like right. it doesn't have to be an eldritch deal with a with a mysterious magical entity. It could be a master swordsman. Mm-hmm. You can who have teaches a, you some blade magic. Yeah, you can have a patron in the more like the Renaissance sense, yes. like someone who just mm-hmm. sponsors yeah. you to do something, mm-hmm. essentially, and. Um, you could apply that to all kinds of different magic. You know, I, I talked about how the sorcerer just kind of mm-hmm. attractive to new players, attractive to me the first time I ever played D D because I was like, oh, they just get magic for free. Great. <laughs> uh, but there is no, mm-hmm. there is no like narrative reason for them to get better at magic. They're just naturally magic. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any reason why someone couldn't show them how to do a spell. Right. And then they're like, oh, Okay, yeah. A patron, maybe they don't show them how to do it. Maybe they give it to them mm-hmm. somehow. Maybe it's a you know a chip, an acolyte. Thing. Um, let's you know maybe get off the real specific D and D stuff mm-hmm. and a cyberpunk thing. The patron might not be doing any magic, any hacking, mm-hmm. but they're just like, hey, I got this chip. I gift it to you as your patron, the same yeah. way like you know Cthulhu could give a warlock a new spell. Like I know, I knew you would like this, so yeah. I kept it. So I kept it, it I saved it, and then you plug it in. Mm. You know, you you insert it into your cyber deck, and now suddenly you can do a I don't know, like an X-ray hack, see through mm-hmm. walls. That's great for the heist adventure yeah. coming up. Patron, right? You know, it doesn't just have to be a devil. Right. Who comes to your warlock in dreams? It doesn't have to be a, some great powerful being who like I'm really powerful. Here's mm-hmm. a little bit of my power. It can be just someone who's trying to help your character out. Yeah. Um. Well, hold on. So I think 
Do you think that is like, so the patron would have to have a relationship with the character? Well, I guess not necessarily. Um, I don't think so. There can be such a thing as a patron who, you know, like... Altruistically just yeah. gives out free so, magic? You know, say, like, the cyberpunk example. Let's mm-hmm. use that. Because I, I enjoy the sort of, like, noir okay. shit that uh, often comes with cyberpunk. So you're a cyber character, whatever, and you're going to, like, do the mission with your party. And the game master is like, on your way out the door this morning, you know, you checked your mailbox and there was just an envelope mm-hmm. with a chip in it. And the chip said, you know, insert me into your brain, see what happens. And so if you did, suddenly you've got a new power. You don't know who gave it to you. You don't know where it came from, but someone's obviously watching you and cares about you mm-hmm. succeeding. Maybe they have your best interest at heart, or maybe, you know, you're working for someone mm-hmm. you haven't figured out yeah. the whole mystery yet. You know, I'm trying to do like a, you know, a, um, a rep, uh, reciprocity yeah. thing where it's like, well, I gave you that, remember? So mm-hmm. why don't you They're trying kill to this set up like me? a, yeah, they're trying to set up a mm-hmm. tit for tat later yeah. or. They don't care about you. They just want the mission to go down because it's going to hurt right. someone they have a problem yeah. with type of thing. Right. Or it's a trap and it's cursed. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a cool adventure hook. Yeah. So I, I would say, yes, patrons, fuck yeah, do more of them. They do not have to be, you know, a uh, god that the cleric knows or... Or a uh, reoccurring relationship yeah. where, like, there's a lot of... A patron can be uh, mysterious and anonymous mm-hmm. and still give new right. stuff to yes. the players. I think that's cool. So you don't have to build, like, you know, like, oh, I'd like to do a patron, but that's just so much work. Boom. Yeah. It's not actually. And then you can just, like, put it on the back burner. You don't have to actually create that NPC for mm-hmm. however many sessions until you have a good idea. Yeah. You don't have to introduce that character until you know who they're going to be. But you can still use them and play the next session anyway. Uh, I think... So the next thing that logically follows is an instructor or, like, a school. So okay. it's very much like a patron. Yeah, similar. Right? You know, having, like, you know, the wise sage <coughs> character. And I think... With a relationship to the character, you know, that's very much like a patron. Mm-hmm. But it can differ in a lot of ways, um, especially if it's more of, like, a school rather than one, like, sage in his tower or their tower. Um you know, they can spend a couple, like, maybe there's some downtime. Mm-hmm. And in the downtime, uh, the character wanders into, like, um, fuck, trying to do an Avatar reference. So, who's the Earthbender teacher that, like, gave the free lesson to Yang? Oh, Anyways. his name? Yeah. Anyways, uh, you just stumble upon that. Like, was, it, was it just Master Chin? I can't remember. Anyway, yeah. So, well, so I yeah. was going to say two... Two other Avatar examples. Mm. <laughs> Which ones? Um, from, well, so I was going to say the Bitter Work episode. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where Toph is teaching Aang er- er- earthbending. Yeah. A session like that mm. where maybe, you know, you're like, okay, so what are you trying to learn? Okay. You have that spell, but you're casting at disadvantage or you're doing whatever at disadvantage right now while you're working with an instructor. And, you know, for the next dungeon, yeah, you have access to it, but, like, this guy's trying to... This is going to make you use it in weird ways. And 
unless you succeed a certain amount of times or in a certain amount mm-hmm. of situations, whatever, then like you don't get it type of stuff. Um, cool idea if you have time in your campaign is to like perfect example of running a one shot during a campaign is you're back in town, you have some downtime, the magic users like, hey, I found this person who wants to teach me something, gang, come with me, yeah. we're going to do a dungeon. It's, you know, a practice dungeon. Yeah. They set it up and like, they set it's going to test And my I'm ability. working on my magic, but, but I, need I your still help. need your help. Because to... friendship is the real yeah. magic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the other Avatar one was uh, Sokka's Master, which mm, I really yeah. like because, um, so like some great narrative where Sokka's like, no, actually I'm going to stick with this. And he does the challenges weird different ways. Mm. Um, but then the end of it, which I really like, Weird that Sasha Sokka, Sokka is a martial character, mm-hmm. and we we're talking about magic progression. But you could still do the same thing, where at the end, the instructor is like, all mm-hmm. right, fight me. Right. Fight me about yeah. it. And, you know, play out a whole fight where now suddenly they get to try some of the stuff. And then at the end, you know, oh, actually, hey, non-lethal, mm-hmm. you, you know, instead of you killing me, I, I yield. And... Look how you used your abilities in this mm. in this session. Now, next session, it makes sense that you've leveled up and you've got these new abilities right. type of thing. Um, so I, I said it earlier, but I want to re... Well, I want to talk about it a little more because I think it's cool. So like a magic user, they level up or like, you know, they get a new spell and like D&D example, like, there's a couple in there for, like, dark blades. You summon, like, an ethereal blade and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, like, what if to level up and get that spell narratively, like, in town, they go to, like, the, I don't know, fighting club and watch some, like, master swordsmen spar, and they're like, that's a cool move. I, I like personally that. don't use a sword, mm-hmm. but I can summon one. Yeah. And, like, I wanted to do that. And... That specific application, you know, maybe it's not that, but I like that idea a lot that just like, you know, they go, they go consume some sort of entertainment. Mm -hmm. And this is the sort of thing that you can do at the end of a session where you're like, all right, well, you're going to spend the next couple days in town before you go on the next stage of your journey or you go to your next dungeon or whatever. Uh, What do you do for... What do you do for leisure? You've mm-hmm. got some gold. Uh, do you spend any of it? What do you do? And they're like, yeah, I go, um, you know, I go to the circus. And they're like, okay, cool. You see some conjurers and you get some cool ideas. And maybe that's like how a sorcerer mm-hmm. who was doing fire magic suddenly like has a bunch of new fire spells. Right. Is, oh, they saw someone who is like the same as me, but just older and better at it. I saw them doing pyrotechnics for the circus mm. and I got I'm inspired. <laughs> I got inspired about it. And now I'm just like, oh, mm. using my magic in a way I'd never thought of before until I saw someone else do it. Right. So, yeah, the point is the instructor like school doesn't have to be also like the patron doesn't have to be a strict relationship. Where yeah. They're like, it doesn't oh, have to be a I'm formal like you. I go to school yeah. this many sessions of instruction mm-hmm. and I've learned it because that's the like very rigorous rule driven mm-hmm. narrative that the Forbidden Lands makes you do. Yeah. You have to spend so much time with such and such a level of person. Right. Well, like, yeah, you can just go to the circus and pick something up and be inspired. 
you know, because you you already have it. Like, the character already has it. Yeah. But, like, this is how you narratively say... Mechanically, you've hit such and mm-hmm. such a level, you get to pick from the spell list. Yeah. But, like, yeah, you saw a cool thing. But why did you pick this spell? Mm-hmm. Well, because oh, I, I thought saw, it would be yeah. useful. Because oh, I no. saw this guy doing magic at the circus with, like, a mm-hmm. fireproof animal, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I could use my magic in a new way. And then now you're fucking, your mm-hmm. whole adventure, the whole campaign is better because you did some enrichment. That's what this is. It's all enrichment. Yes, it's all enrichment. Um, so the the next idea we had, so like like watching somebody good at it, like do it, and you're like, that's a cool thing. You can also like unlock a mystery. Uh-huh. And, you know, that is akin to unlocking a mystery. It's like, I've never thought to use my magic that way. Mm-hmm. To um, just like see someone else mm-hmm. do it. But there could be more mysterious uh more circumstances things that happen where you know like you find a thing like um i never really well i don't think it actually gave you anything good but like finding in cyberpunk uh the video game cyberpunk 2077 Mm -hmm. um you can like find um it's obnoxious that that's the name of the game but also is the name of a whole genre of Mm-hmm. Like unrelated media, related and the sort role, of, but, and the yeah, and the role game. playing game, yeah. So and then you <laughs> so, say cyberpunk, and you're like, fuck. Yeah. I could actually be meaning a ton of different things. The video game 2077. It throughout the whole game, you like get these clues, and like it talks about like, oh, cyberspace got broken, and like it's being rebuilt, and it's dangerous, like beyond the wall, and there's this mystery, right? Mm-hmm. And like, whatever happened to that guy? Because like he was a huge rebel. So you can actually track his body down in a junkyard and find it. And it's got some cyberware on it. It's got some stuff. Um, It's mainly just like you take it back to the guy who gave you the the weird signal. And he's like, oh, this is really old and expensive. Uh, You don't really get any good like magical items. But... Like you could have. I think that was a kind of a missed opportunity. It's like you yeah. get a really then there, nasty. There was a kick-ass yeah. piece of infiltration software right. on it or whatever. And it's like, yeah, whatever happened to that guy? Oh, he got fucking murked and thrown in a. Well, I don't think it was because he like had some ice in there and he was like trying to preserve his body. But whatever. Mm-hmm. You could do that. You could create a mystery. Yeah. And then the at game. the end of at the end of solving it, then yes. like, hey, players, here's mm-hmm. a spell. I I think that's a really cool way. We don't we haven't played D&D in a while and I don't have any aspirations to play D&D right now, but I do like the idea of kind of a curated experience where maybe like in addition to mm-hmm. what is you know chosen by the players or maybe like I say you have to take this one type of thing because yeah. you found it in a book, like wizards get their shit just out of a spell book, right? Wizards mm-hmm. are are magic, but they get their magic by because they're nerds. By reading, they read it. Yeah, they read nerd books. <laughs> um, giving your wizard, like as the game master, writing your wizard spell book and being like, mm. "This is actually what you have access to," and uh, you know, maybe some of the stuff that you would normally have access to. No, I've taken that away, mm. but I've put some cool stuff in it. From some supplemental material mm-hmm. or whatever. Well, your spell it would just, book has it would just this. be limiting, limiting the spell list, right? Right. So Th- when and that's what I'm saying, like as yeah. a as a mm. as a dungeon master, limiting the spell list of various magic characters in various ways, mm. in order to reinforce the concept of narrative and mechanical progression 
going more hand in hand. Right. So like it would be just some random loot or like a reward from something. They get a book that they can't read. They got to translate it, yeah. right? Because they're nerds. They got a magic thing. Got to right. identify so it back in town. The next time they level up, they finally translated yeah. one of the one the of the spells, spells, right? Yeah. And then you can give them a curated list. It's like you can choose like two of these or one of these, mm-hmm. right? I'm not going to say you can choose anything. I guess you could, but like it would be more more narratively uh, consistent, I think, because like maybe they found the spell book in like a a cave, mm-hmm. right? And like the reason they went to the cave was like I don't know, it was like a a druid hangout. So maybe it's something more naturey. So you give them a bunch of nature spells to choose from rather than fire magic or you know the opposite maybe it's a fire wizard they got it from so it's mainly based in fire because that's what fits into the story Mm -hmm. you could do it from oh you could choose anything right but you know depends on just how you want to fit that in narratively um so because yeah i mean i think that's a cool thing and it doesn't have to be like finding a book uh you know like skyrim does it cool where, like, you read the runes on the wall, mm-hmm. and then you learn that shout. Um, yeah, then you learn a shout. But you also um, uh, you also read spell books yeah. to permanently learn new spells mm-hmm. type of thing. And that is a way where, as a game master, you can make it narrative. Because if you have a system like that in place, you know, they only get the spells that you give them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. There's... A lot of ways to do it, basically. Yes. Unlocking a mystery is kind of vague. Yeah. Um, but I think it's it's a cool thing. And it's also very satisfying. A little bit of work to, like, set it up. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, as a game master or, you know, the player being like, please give me a mystery. Yeah. Um, but I think extremely satisfying when it comes to uh, fruition. Yeah. Uh, which one do you want to talk about next? Well, uh, let's talk about these artifact Yes, things. very, very close to, like, a powerful spell book, mm-hmm. right? Uh, item of power, right? Um, I guess also, you know, like, uh, you find the corpse of the guy who broke the internet and you pull a, a nasty demon off. That's, that's yeah. kind of like an artifact. It's kind of. Um, but I was thinking... Um, I was thinking of Jackie Chan Adventures. Yes. The the talismans? Yeah. Those are fucking cool. And then like when you mm. have it, yeah. There's there's a power associated with it. And there's all kinds of different ways you could do that, you know, with like fantasy magic or with sci-fi powers where like, mm. you know, it's a thing and either like as long as you carry it or when you get it, it just like it disappears and goes Zaps into your body you, yeah. and now you've got it. Um that's that's a wildly cool and uh, very pervasive through all yeah. forms of media. Yeah, that that happens all the time, and that's a really easy way for you as the game master to um, blend the mechanics of magical progression with the narrative of you know the adventure that's happening. Whereas, like, you find the thing, mm. okay, it's got such and such a you know device on it. It's got it looks like this. It's the, you know, the ox. It's got ox. some strange symbols on it. Yeah. It's got the ox symbol, and then now suddenly you're super strong. It's a, you know, it's a magical power you can use. Um, 
it gives you a lot of freedom. It doesn't work with every game system mm-hmm. because, you know, like, how are you going to make everything that the players can choose when they level up in D&D mm-hmm. into an item that they essentially consume? It, right. Like, it's not compatible with every with every game. Everything. Uh, I think the real potential in this thing is... Um, like retconning backstory so like i mean and maybe maybe not because like personally this is something that i do a lot but maybe not everybody but like i give my characters like some fucking knickknacks for no reason but just Mm -hmm. like here's like a a carved bear that you made and you like that and you keep that with you as like a little knickknack all of a sudden that I level up and like that's why I know how to do this is this bear talisman. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if everybody does that. No, but if you something. plant, yeah. uh, if you plant the seed with just mm-hmm. like knickknacks, mm-hmm. then you can. Um, you said retcon, but I think what you meant is like you can retroactively justify something. Yeah, if, that's what uh, I meant. That's what I meant. And I think I think in that sense, then yeah, artifacts were like really cool. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, there's right. you know there was a carving on like the hilt of my axe, and the axe is an heirloom, and what's actually happening is like my ancestors are speaking to me through a through an heirloom weapon, and I've gained a power, mm-hmm. um, type of thing. And yeah. what it equates to is I choose a new ability off the class list as right. I level up. But so yeah, it just doesn't it doesn't have to be something that you found recently or like got a piece of loot. It can be something that you've had all along and now it's just the reason why. Yeah. Um which is is cool as a player to be like, yeah, I knew I chose that mm-hmm. <laughs> for a reason. Um so yeah, I mean artifacts are cool. Definitely uh, a lot you can do loot based there. Um, now, elemental power is on this list. I have a couple ideas, but I'm curious what you were thinking. Mm. I'm not sure. What What are your ideas? Well, my idea are is uh, like um, the King Killer Chronicles. Okay. So, like, if you haven't read them, uh huh. Which, like, there's some good stuff, but also, like... Don't bother, there's no payoffs. Yes, it's not going to be finished, so... I'm kidding, they're fun. If you're, like, if you're into fantasy, check them out. They're really, they're they're really really well-written. magic system. Yeah, a terrifically interesting magic system. A really stupid fucking currency system, and it sucks that that's what he's most proud of, creating. So, Um, in the Kingkiller Chronicles, true magic is like understanding the thing right it's called naming yeah right and like some of the easier ones are elemental right winds fire right stone to like you know to call the the true name of something Mm -hmm. and then suddenly like it's at your command for as long as your focus lasts yeah basically so like understanding stone like, you know, you get out there, you lick the stone, you taste the stone, you stand mm. in stone, you stand in mud, you yeah. roll around in it. Yeah. You live it. Mm. And then, you know, you meditate on it until, like, suddenly you, you hit this moment of zen mm. and you can speak the name of it. And in that moment, it you have control. An element it. is at yes. your command. But, um, yeah. So the, the way Keegan Killer does that that's more interesting is... Um, 
the true names of like commanding elements in that way is not just limited to the four elements, mm-hmm. as we know. You know, right. you those could, are the easier ones. Yeah. but you can if you know the true name of a person, mm-hmm. it's really dangerous. You can mess with them. That's yeah. also in the like the Aragon, the Inheritance yeah. series. That that magic system is all based on like an ancient language of true naming, and if if you can name somebody in it correctly power over them mm-hmm. is yours type of shit. Yeah. Or like it's also in Black Company. Mm-hmm. Right? If you speak the name of the wizard, you take their power. You can yeah. take the their power. The true name. Yes. You gotta, yeah. So, you know, stuff like that. That's So cool that's what thing. I was thinking of elemental power is like understand, a base understanding which is hard to obtain. Yeah. So like, if you're a sorcerer, it lends itself really well to that. Where you have an ability and like, yeah, I can make like a couple fire things, but like, I can't make a giant ass fireball yet. And then like, you meditate by like, trying to hold fire in your hands. And then like, it clicks and you're like, yeah, you know, like Aang style. Mm -hmm. God, Avatar is just so good. If you, yeah, if you want a good example of something. (coughs) (laughs) Sorry. <coughs> if Sorry, you want a good is... example of any storytelling yeah. beat or yeah or any sort of like uh, role playing or adventure or fantasy or sci-fi trope you really you don't have to look much further than the last airbender in those 90 whatever episodes 80 mm-hmm. episodes um, he gets it yeah they got basically everything Right, so elemental power, I was thinking of just like a base understanding of something. I I like that. I'm not sure what was meant with whichever one of us wrote that, if it was me. Um, Can't remember. But, uh, yeah. So So that's like, that's, you know, a mental thing that, that's why it's easy as a narrative. It's just like. You say your character meditates, yeah. or the game master says you spend some time pondering. You you narrate, yeah. You narrate a period of pondering, and you narrate a moment of like uh, transcendence or understanding or nirvana, where like something clicks, and now you got it. Mm-hmm. Right. So that mental. Got it. It's fine. That was my take the bins out alarm. I already did it. Nice, nice, nice. Um, what was it? Oh, yeah. Mental, like, uh, exploring, if you will, right? Obvious inroad to dreams and visions. I would agree. Right? Something that takes no time at all and no setup just to narratively say, your dream last night, yeah. you learned something. You had a dream. But... I think um, I think this is really worth keeping here because so this ties back into the examples of narrative magic progression that already exist, clerics and warlocks, really easy to go to because mm-hmm. it's built into their um, it's it's built into the concept of their character that they have a spiritual otherworldly sort of connection with either divine beings or just like you know super powerful magical beings whatever and somehow those entities are gifting them with new powers how do they do that well the easiest way they enter your dreamscape yeah you this is the character has some sort of vision wherein they feature and in the vision you know like uh, a fairy prince could give your uh fae warlock 
uh, a trinket, you know, a flower, or whatever. They mm-hmm. just like they hand you a flower in the dream, and then when they wake up, you eat it. You've got oh. new powers, type of thing. You know, um, it can be, it can be kind of like non sequitur, mm-hmm. metaphorical, like that. Yeah. A reason I think this is really cool is because, like, maybe your players aren't the ones who are going to bring this to you. Maybe you, as the game master, yeah. want to insert. Um, you know, you want to reinforce the concept of narrative into skill progression, mechanical gameplay progression. You give them dreams. Mm. Now, you can be like, hey, you have a dream tonight. What does each of your characters dream about? And then, right. you know, use that as improv fuel. But it's also real easy as a game master if you have a player who, like, you know, maybe they weren't ready to come up with this on their own or they didn't think about it. Mm. But you can give it to them. Yeah. Well, and then the narrative is, is still in it's there. It's so easy. It takes no setup or anything. Yeah. Just a quick aside. Oh, you guys wake up. You. Yeah. You had a dream last night. Guess what? Yeah. Boom. It, you learned something. This came out of it. Yeah. And um, guess what? It tied to the fact that yes. we're playing by milestones and now you're level three. Hey. And it new spells. Doesn't have to be that way. It definitely can have setup like uh, Mass Effect. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you accidentally touch something you weren't supposed to, mm-hmm. and it zaps you with power. You know, like the unlocking the mystery or powerful artifact style. Yes. But you get to write out a whole vision, and then like, then maybe you know they're like, man, is that the future? Is that the past? What's going on? Yeah. You know, adventure hook. Boom. Got mm-hmm. it. And if you're good, or I guess... Yeah, if you're fucking good. If you're fucking good. If if you have the wherewithal and you have the commitment from your players, that's usually the main issue. I think... um, Okay, let's let's do a little digression. Okay, love it. so So I can say a thing. Most game masters are probably a little better than they think they are. I would agree. Would you you say that uh, a fair amount of, like, anxiety is kind of built into game mastering? Yeah. And, you know, like, you're putting yourself on the spot. You're laying down what you've prepared. Is it going to be good enough? Did I balance it right? Are they going to even enjoy it? Oh, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, Most game masters are better than they think they are as far as that stuff goes. Mm -hmm. And most players are having a good time and they're not anywhere near as critical of your content as you are yeah. the creator of it. Agreed. The biggest obstacle to doing something like this, to setting up something more intricate and being like, oh, here's some stuff that you like encounter during the adventure. And then a session later, I'm going to narrate this dream that you had. And that is going to lead into how you become a better spellcaster as you level up and choose from the spell list. The biggest obstacle to that is just participation and scheduling. It's not that like it's super hard or you need to be a real good game master to set that shit up. It's just unlikely that you're going to be able to string together sure. the you know the necessary participation and scheduling. But most game masters are good enough to pull that off. And you think like, oh, I couldn't do that. I'm not creative enough. Yeah, you fucking are. Your players would be stoked if you even tried. Mm-hmm. And if you just like, if you strung a couple things together, they would love it. If they showed up and if they, you know, if the sessions happened. Sometimes the sessions just don't happen, though, and you can't control everybody's lives. Yeah, that's true. Um, Definitely, I think it's not uh, 
super hard and like if you are thinking it's super hard um maybe give it a try you might find try, it easier I think, than I think you think you're, you'll be better it will turn out better than you probably think it will yeah because uh, yes in in my experience i agree that game masters are hypercritical of themselves and the players don't really notice they all have a good time yeah they want to play and even if they do notice, even if your players are a bunch of other game masters, mm-hmm. you know, they're not going to be dicks about it. They're going to be like, oh, I saw what you were yeah. going for. That works. I'm having a good mm-hmm. time. My character is doing this. So, yeah. yeah. Um, do dreams. Set shit up. Give them visions. And don't be like, oh, if I can't give them a vision, it's too fucking obvious. Give them a fucking obvious vision. Yeah. They're probably not going to remember it very well either way because, like, they're not going to write down detailed notes because nobody does that. Uh, I don't even do that when I'm a player. Mm -hmm. And then Cosmo's like, so how many horses did you have? Did you write Mm -hmm. that down? No. Because I'll be like, well, I knew I had a number, but I kind of thought they wrote it down. So I guess we're going to say this many. (laughs) Whatever. It's fine. Don't be too hard on yourself. Sometimes that shit happens. But, yeah. Most of the time, even veteran players are, you know, they're, we're mostly just happy to, like, be here playing the game. So try weird stuff. And as long as people show up to the next session, you'll probably be able to pull it off. If you want to set up something weird and then, like, pay it off in a dream and now you've got a new spell. Mm-hmm. If you want to spread that out over two sessions, it's going to work. The only obstacle is just, like scheduling that next session right yeah so this last one it kind of fits in with some other ones like powerful it could come from a lot of these things but it's just a but it's also a cool idea um and you know also by no means is this list uh comprehensive or exhaustive um it's just the ones that we thought of that we could talk about in the time of our episode so uh New spells being tattooed on the spellcaster's skin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say, so, like, there's a couple different ways you could do this. Like, you could have a dream as a wizard, mm-hmm. and now suddenly, like, a new spell is tattooed on your arm. Or a new spell is in your book. Yeah. Fucking, it doesn't have to be a tattoo. They could just, they could appear mm-hmm. by arcane means. Yeah. Whatever. But the idea that, like, stuff is written down... This goes back to um, some old school D&D stuff where, like, you memorized spells at the beginning of the day, and once you fired them off, you lost them. So, like, they had to come from a book. They had to be written down Mm -hmm. somewhere. And when you got a new one, it was a precious thing. So where you wrote it down and where you stored it uh, was important. important. Spell books, cool, but, like, you know... Cool, Basic. grimdark, warlocks, spellcasters mm-hmm. in a in a creepy, in a, yeah. you know, in a more uh, flavorful setting, maybe instead of a spell book, they've got like arms covered in tattoos. Um, I think this is actually really cool for a cleric type of character to have like scripture of mm-hmm. whatever, you know, what, yeah. whatever divine beings they serve to have like the scripture tattooed on their body mm-hmm. to have eldritch writing engraved into their skin and like that's where these divine powers come from this symbol of commitment basically right but the god is actually real so Mm -hmm. they you know so true power actually flows from those 
uh, from those markings, from those... Right, like the room, the whole room thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, So I guess this one is basically uh, writing. Yeah, the idea of like written power. Tattoos, yes. spell books, runes on an item, right. engraving... Like a, a, yeah, a rune, a ring with a rune on yeah. it or whatever. That can, you know, unleash mm-hmm. a power. Yeah, magic, magic as... Magic expressed in, like, written form, basically. That's Um, what we're talking about here. Tattoos is cool because uh, it's going to be a lot harder to lose. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You know, can't steal that spell book. Not without a lot of pain. (laughs) Or you can. Gross. Bad guy, spellcaster, yeah, has, like, scrolls of human skin of enemy spellcasters that he's, (laughs) you know, he's taken down. And then his minions flay them. And then he carries them around in like a you know, Rolodex of mm-hmm. spells. That's a cool bad guy. That's a cool bad guy. You can use it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might try and use it. I don't know when. <laughs> don't know when where. I, yeah, don't know when, don't know where. We're not doing any fantasy stuff right now, but that's a cool idea. Cool Anyways. Idea. Okay. And, I mean, that's... Uh, we talked a lot. That's a lot of suggestions. So... So we're we're gonna nip it off there because you know the more we talk, the less you're gonna remember. Mm-hmm. We talked about why would you bother? Magical progression in terms of narrative, not just mechanics. Narrative progression. Uh, we talked about some examples that already exist in gaming, in fiction, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Big one D and D. Clerics and warlocks already have that built in yep. narratively. Other games have. Um, have it. Yeah. Other games have other ways in which you get better at special right. powers. And those are always, you know, kind of cool to explore. Then we went over a bunch of concepts, ideas, and suggestions for how you might integrate these into whatever game you're playing. As usual, while we did talk about D&D a lot, uh, we're not talking about specific game systems. These are all ideas for mm-hmm. you to figure out about how you're going to And you could use weave them, them in... in- Mini a game system, right? Yeah. Um, so patrons, that one's in D and D, but like I think it could definitely be expanded on. Mm-hmm. Don't need to be like a all powerful god or demon. Nope. To be a patron, you can even be a patron too. Yeah. Uh, of us. Yes. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so let's talk about that. Visit us if you like our shit. Go to two htm dot com. You will find links to our Twitter and our Patreon. We love our patrons so much, but we. Are well, uh, we got we got lots more love to give. We love our yes. patrons, but we got lots more love to give. We so love uh, you all. Um, check us out and check out our Twitter because it's fun on there. We also have some stuff for free to download and a link. It's the first thing you see if you visit our website to Afterlife, our first full length role playing game product, a game system and setting available on Drive Through RPG. PDF or print version. Yep. You buy the print version, you get the PDF version. Yep. For free. So might as well just buy the print. Yep. You know, and then give the, you know, share the PDF with your players for the player handbook section, whatever. We're not sticklers about that. Share it around. We want we want folks to play. Uh, join us next time. <clears throat> I'm losing my voice a yeah. little bit. Thank you, you to the Green Saviors uh, for the, <clears throat> the use of their song Pontillo's Finest as the intro and outro to our song. And we will see you next time. See ya. Hey.